0: So without further ado, hello, good morning and welcome to the latest in the Balderton Capital podcast series. I'm Ben Goldsmith and this morning uh, I'm being joined by Tom Blomfield, uh, CEO, co-founder of Mondo, uh, one of the many challenger banks that we hear so much about in the news. You've heard a lot about Mondo last year in this, uh, setting up a a new banking option for for consumers on the quest for the, the banking license at the moment. So you're not one year old yet, is that correct?
1: We're coming up to our first birthday um, in February.
0: February, oh wow, so we're very close to your birthday. Do you have a date in February that is your... I think we,
1: I, I can't remember what we picked, something like the 18th of February or...
0: Now it's officially the 18th, just to, just, to, <laughs> just to put it out there. We decided in. on it now, yeah. Yeah, on the 18th. Uh, a particular
1: uh, bar, we, uh, we founded the company in more or less, um, so we're going back to that bar on a year later. Oh fantastic, which bar? It's Ask for Janice on uh, Smithfield Market.
0: Fantastic. So the good people have asked for Janice. On the 18th, please supply uh, the Mondo team with a birthday cake. Lots of gin. <laughs> and lots of gin. Yeah, at least one free round. They, they very much deserve it. Um, people are sitting up and taking notice of Mondo. If you just Google Mondo, Mondo Challenger Bank or similar, there's quite a few good pieces of journalism already who are getting quite excited, like the Wall Street Journal piece I, I read just before. Yeah, I mean... What do you think that is? Why are people uh, having their eyebrows raised so much by by a new entrant into the banking space?
1: I mean, we're we're surprised and delighted, really. Um, I think it's certainly fintech is a hot area. Challenger banks is a hot area. Um, people are, especially in twenty fifteen, were interested in talking about it. I think what sets us apart slightly is our as a company, our willingness to talk openly about what we're doing. You know, you ask some of the other. Uh, people in the space, and it's very much sort of, you know, wait and see, or it's ready when it's ready. We'll take the opposite approach. You know, we don't have all of the best ideas, all of the answers straight away, so we'll build something small, an MVP, if you will, put it out there, and see how people react, and then use that to iterate and improve. So hopefully when we are ready as a a full bank with a license, um, the product will have iterated, you know, been iterated upon so many times, it will be superb, hopefully. Um, and what is openers. it that you're? Yeah, what is it that you're
0: very openly offering to consumers? Is it just a current account, or are there other products
1: as well? So that's an interesting question. It, it's just a current account. Although, if you ask a, a banker about that, they have a very, very narrow conception of what a current account is. You know, it's it's a list of credits and debits on a st- on a paper statement you get once a month, and that's it. And sort of reductively, that is true. You know, we're not offering other financial products. We are, we will offer. a uh, an overdraft, sort of, it's the amount below zero until you're paid effectively of your current account, but we won't offer mortgages or um, ICEs or, you know, things like that. But to to sort of reduce the current account to just a list of credits and debits is, is missing a huge uh, chunk of the pie. So it's all of the data around that spend, whether it's your geolocation or the receipt data or guarantees or loyalty or even who you are with when you bought that meal in the restaurant. So it's all of that data and then the functionality you can build on top of that. So it's things like sending money to friends, splitting bills, um, doing your tax returns, filing expenses, all of those things that are around the current account. That's what we're focusing on.
0: So you're making the current account a far more useful thing. Because I, I don't ever think, I suppose, of using my current account in no, somewhere exactly. where my money is exactly. or isn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's sort of turning the current account on the mobile banking app into a home screen app. You know, those sort of three or four or five apps you use every day. And for me, it's like um, Gmail, Google Maps, Facebook, and Twitter probably. And the fifth one should be your current account because it is a, an incredibly um, useful and powerful part of your life. It could be if it's not just a list of credits and debits.
0: Well, fantastic. It seems
1: like you speak uh, You speak as a man who definitely knows what he wants his business
0: to be, what he wants his bank to be, the shape it needs to take, etc. The other part of that is consumers. You need people to use it. And I would imagine, you know, I've not built a bank myself, but I would imagine convincing the common user of a current account who has their current account and other accounts already at one of the, the big high street banks. Yeah. It's quite a difficult task to persuade them to take their money out of there and use Mondo.
1: So we've kind of flipped flipped that problem on its head a little. Um, we have thirty; we've just hit thirty thousand people on a waiting list to try out wow. um, the the trial version of Mondo. For traditional bankers, the, the people would join a waiting list to try your bank account is is mind boggling. And so, traditionally, for for bankers, getting people to switch their current account has been a real challenge. Because if your current account is just a list of credits and debits and doesn't do anything else, why bother taking a current account from one bank when you already have it from another, there's no differentiation. There really is no extra utility or reason to switch. And secondly, it's just really hard to open an account. You know, it takes weeks. Um, So we're trying to do things differently. A, provide a really differentiated product so it actually does a ton of extra stuff um, beyond being a list of credits and debits. And secondly, we're not asking you to switch on day one. We're saying dip your toes in, have a card, load 50 quid onto it, and see how it feels you know see how it works for you see if it improves your life in any way and so it's like a gradual process of kind of getting to know people we're not we're not asking to get married on the first date we're saying Mm -hmm. hey let's go to the cinema and like maybe go for a nice meal and then down the line we'll get married after three months (laughs) that is one heck of a banking chat up line
0: i keep that one in the back pocket um fantastic so it seems a consumer problem if not you know, solve 30,000 is fantastic, but I guess you want to stick a few more noughts on that by sure, the, you I, yeah, know, as you grow. It just
1: totally changes the economics of customer acquisition. Big banks are talking about, it co- you know, cost of acquisition might be 250, 300 pounds a customer. We are an order or two orders of magnitude less than that. I mean, it just totally changes the game when you, when you operate in that environment. And, and do you think that
0: will remain the same as you go for scale?
1: As long as we can crack... Um, social acquisition or viral acquisition mechanics and i i believe we can then yes we can hit that benchmark or even reduce it wow that's the future the
0: future is looking bright mentioned the banking license right at the the top of the interview i remember reading quite a few articles in the middle point of last year or maybe just before that about your quest uh to get the license you are going to make the application to the bank of england etc how far along are you with that you know, can you talk about how how uh, how that progress uh, has has progressed to date?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we submitted our license application just before Christmas. So we'd expect to have um, a banking license, be a restricted banking license, halfway through this year. Fingers crossed, if you know, if all goes well. Um, so there's a, I won't go into too much detail. There's a whole process of um, getting a restricted license and then. Um, satisfying the regulator that you have your IT systems in place and operations in place to lift those restrictions and fully launch. So having submitted the application, it's a, a, a huge milestone for us. Yeah, we look forward to being able to call ourselves Mondo Bank halfway through this year, hopefully.
0: Oh, so that, that's the the date in the diary you're looking at, what, June or so this year?
1: But the restricted license, and that, you know, that does let us... It sounds silly, but just call ourselves a bank, open settlement accounts of the Bank of England, connect a payment scheme, so sort of start to go through the paces of being a, a real bank.
0: And that process of becoming a bank mm. and getting a banking licence, I mean, you're one of, uh, I guess, many, to not many, but a good handful of challenger banks that uh, I suppose you hear a lot about, they make a lot of noise, um, they're very interesting, I suppose, the idea of challenging the banks. However, not every single challenger bank uh, is a bank you know mm-hmm. they don't all go for a for a banking license i suppose because it's difficult and it's a long-winded process as you've found out but
1: that's an understatement
0: <laughs> <laughs> well there you are it's a very long-winded yeah. long-winded process however why have you chosen to uh to go that route when when i guess others haven't
1: yeah i, I think that's a great question so i i agree with you that there are challenges who are not not yet certainly getting a banking license i think um Number 26 in Germany is doing some really great things. I think Monies in, in the UK is really, really great. And you're right, there's sort of challenges without being banks. There are also banks who aren't being challenged, you know, new banks who take that, that sort of um, moniker, but who aren't really challenging the model. Who have got the license. Sure. So they yeah, people who have or who are going for the license who are really more or less peddling the same old stuff, you know, using mobile as a lower cost channel to serve or acquire customers who aren't really challenged in the way things are done. And on the other side, you have challenges who don't have the banking license who really are changing the way things are done. The reason we're doing both of those things, um, to your question, I think it increases your potential. So you can put a, um, a newer interface on, uh, you know, white label on the bank and put a new interface on it. But if you have your own license and crucially, you own your own technology stack, you can push... Uh, you know, inverted commas, innovation much much further because you can start to be super super reactive to what customers want, and you're not constrained by another bank saying, "Look, this new feature is against our policies and procedures," or "Hey, our forty year old mainframe systems can't support that." Actually, you have total autonomy, so you, you're putting much more of the um, the question in, in your own hands, basically by having both the banking license and the full tech stack, and a real product and consumer focus.
0: So I suppose so. some of those fellow challenger banks are almost sitting
1: on top of other banks' uh, yeah, systems. You, you hear a lot of this sort of bank-in-the-box. So they're not not necessarily other banks, but certainly other banking software providers. So there are these guys who basically built um, what they're calling you know, off-the-shelf systems or bank-in-the-box systems in the 1980s or 1990s. And it's the same systems that they're now licensing out to these new challengers who... Who see, who see the technology as a commodity and who see, you know, they'll, they'll put a shiny interface on top of it, but sort of missing the point. Tell Google or Facebook or Amazon that technology is a commodity and sort of laugh at you. It's no different in banking.
0: And to talk about yourself, uh, this, Mondo, is your third, I think, entrepreneurial... The
1: third uh, startup I founded, yes. Yeah.
0: Third startup you founded. Bozo, for want of pronouncing it correctly, was your first entrepreneurial venture, and then on to a co-founding a uh, Bolton portfolio company, GoCardless. Yep. Uh, when, when, when did you? When did you? And how did you uh, meet Matt and Hiroki? And how did that whole that whole venture come
1: about? Um, so tiny world. Um, Bozo Buy or Sell Online was a student marketplace I started at Oxford back in 2005 with a couple of co-founders. Um, Hiroki interned at that company in San Francisco in I think 2007 although by then they were like halfway through a pivot to, to automatic and I'd just stepped back to do my finals um, so I met Matt and Hiroki um, in 2000 end of 2010 they just left McKinsey I had just left my job in consulting to join McKinsey but I was on gardening leave because they were very paranoid I was going to steal all their secrets um, and we were put in touch by my co-founders from Bozo, actually, who said, these two guys, Matt and Hiroki, wanted to start a startup, and I had three or four months spare of gardening leave and could code. And they said, why don't you get together and build a website? I was was keen to help out because I'd I'd spent two days playing Xbox solidly after I left um, my previous job. So you were very busy. (laughs) I was so, so, like, I was sitting on my sofa thinking, I cannot do this for three months. I've got to do something. (laughs) Um, So I was going to either write a book or... um, They said, you know, come and build this this website with us. It'll be fun. And there was no even idea at that stage. Um, So we were in a pub, I remember it very vividly, debating what to build. And I really, really wanted to build a a dating startup. I really passionately wanted to. It was a a terrible idea, and they managed to talk me out of it. And instead we started... Dating startups never go well, right? (laughs) I mean, it's hard to make money out of a dating startup, honestly. Um, And so instead we built Group A, which became GoCardless. It was a tool to collect money from, from groups of people.
0: Were you still with the company when they did the whole Y Combinator yeah. journey, etc.? Um, so
1: I was only going to, I said, look, I'll, I'll help you out for a couple of months. I'm starting McKinsey, uh, seems like a good brand name to have on my CV. And they said, okay, no no problem. Let's just do it for two or three months, see how it goes. And then um, it actually was really fun and went really well. And so I, pushed, I deferred my McKinsey start date to the next intake, because so of three months later. And then they're like, why don't we apply for Y Combinator? It's, it'll be, that'll be really fun. It's like okay, because Bozo went onto Y Combinator back in 2007. It's like okay, so we flew out and um, we got the we got accepted onto Y Combinator three days before I was supposed to start at McKinsey. So I had to phone them up and be like, uh, about that job. <laughs> 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 and yeah, I never ended up starting actually. So oh, McKinsey's loss. <laughs> McKinsey's loss. I'm they they very job. good about it. They were very good. You know, if you ever want a job, come back, come back and talk to us. <laughs> so that offer's still on ice <laughs> good, good to know hey I'd have you? forgotten about me
0: by now five years later <laughs> but but that means that you're now in terms of founding companies you're a third time founder uh, right. and, and you're also one of the few people uh, to have founded a, a bank or you know by the by the middle of this year, <laughs> calendar year, Touchwood, wood etc you'll be one of the few people to have founded a bank gives you quite a bit of experience under the belt especially as uh, multiple trips to YC many entrepreneurs would like to go there once etc if you could give you know, one or two pieces of advice to a first-time founder who doesn't have that breadth of experience of doing it not only twice, but three times before, what would that be?
1: Um, I think it's to not, not to spend too long strategizing or trying to come up with a, trying to debate what the company's going to look like in five or 10 years, especially debates where it's like, once we have the whole market, this is how things will be. You know, especially if you're building a two or three-sided marketplace, it's so, so, like, um, tempting to debate, you know, how what the, the charge A model works and all this kind of... And we did it so much back in the early days of go GoCardus or Group A, as it then was. And it doesn't matter, really. And it can waste so much of your time. And instead, what you should be doing is trying to identify the, like, the smallest kernel of utility, like the smallest, most focused problem you can solve with the least effort or least time, least money. Because all of those things are constrained in an you stage startup. There are only two, three, four people in a bedroom. So really focusing in on, like, what is the core problem we are solving here and do we have a good solution for it? And really, like, just focus on that for the first six or 12 months. I mean, focus on that for the, the whole life of your company, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the early days of GoCardless, especially as three strategy consultants, we loved to debate strategy. And it was just, it was just pointless. Sort of 5% of the time of the company should really be spent on strategy. The 95% should be focused on like executing and solving the here and now problem of your customers. And as a really early stage startup, it's about identifying that problem. You don't even know if the problem exists. So just like identify that smallest kernel of utility, um, validate it exists, validate that your product solves that problem.
0: So, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, and you're uh, planning to spend the next couple of hours over a a couple of flat whites debating (laughs) your (laughs) your, debating your sort of three years, five year plan,
1: yeah, stop thinking so. All the coffee down the sink, (laughs) just so because it's so intellectually like gratifying. It's fun. It's like no, like it's a slog of just like the hard work to get the idea off the ground. Get back to the
0: coal face. Yeah. And I suppose that takes us on, actually, to something I wanted to ask you, because looking at your Twitter feed and, the, and Mondo's uh, Twitter feed as well, you guys do quite a few hackathons.
1: Yeah, we do. Um,
0: and that fascinated me because, you know, I've been to a fair few hackathons mm. in my time. Mm. And they're all, or the vast majority, are very useful. And you, you see solutions that uh, very, very uh, intelligent people have hacked together in 24, 48 hours yeah. that, you would never have imagined before you let them loose on each other and give them Red Bull and pizza. I mean, and it is quite, I guess, even more fascinating to see a bank, you know, a, a bank doing a hackathon because you're dealing with people's money or dealing with uh, solutions that are intrinsically linked to people's finance. Yep. What I want to know, I guess, is are those hackathons useful? Have you had ideas come out of those hacks that uh, that will affect the Mondo product suite? And I guess, why did you start doing them in the first place?
1: I mean, why did we start doing it in the first place? It's easy because most of us are coders. You know, I'm, I'm a middling Ruby developer, and we've got loads of guys <laughs> in the company who are really excellent coders, and it's fun. You know, we, ultimately, we do it because it's fun. Um, and secondly, yeah, absolutely, it is useful in a number of ways. We get to meet some really excellent developers, designers, product managers, um, and they come, they come to our office and see how awesome we are, and actually we get a ton of job applications out of them. I think hackathons generally are super useful, and I, we went to a bunch of ha- banking hackathons before we founded Mondo. And the problem was always that the APIs were fake, because no bank actually has an API. So they're like, publish these API specs, and might even have a staging environment. You're like, okay, great, but let me have my data. How can I use this? And Like, oh no, 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 no.
0: <laughs> we can't do that. So, so your point is, all the APIs actually just let you loose on
1: is is kind of. Fake data. Make-believe. Make-believe In data. banking. Other hackathons are great. So Twilio, Amazon, all these guys do great, great hackathons and actually expose real data, real functionality, and you yeah. get real products built off them. The banking hackathons are fake. They're run in the UK because none of the banks expose their, API, their APIs. So from very early for Mondo, we wanted to make our API live, actually a real API. So you can, you can take a, um, a hot Coral Mondo card and get developer credentials and access your own data today. It's a live API.
0: And no one else is doing that?
1: Not that I know of.
0: So that's, yeah, that's quite a first, Because I must admit, I, I didn't know that about the banking APIs. Because they do, um, when you look at these fintech hackathons, yeah. they boast about the fact that they're opening out their APIs for the first time, or they've got a new set of APIs that uh, developers can play with, etc. Yeah. But the, the point is, yeah, they may be a high street bank API, but the data you get access to is basically just... It's, it's yep. not real.
1: All made up. Um, I, haven't, I have not seen a current account API, um, certainly from a mainstream bank. So you've built it? So we built it, yeah. It's like, I'd love to use this data. It would be super, super useful. And the stuff people have built has been awesome so far. Really, really great. I mean, expense management, you've got expenses submission, you've got like loyalty and discount stuff. So you shop in, you shop in Starbucks five times, you get you know, an offer from Starbucks, um, all the way to like really fun stuff like Um, visualizations and heat maps of your spend. One guy uh, glued a PayPal card reader to the inside of his Tesla. And so you can use your Mondo card to tap on the screen of the Tesla. It charges your card for an hour's rent, unlocks the Tesla and starts the engine. Wow. (laughs) Who is that guy? Was it Elon Musk? I mean, not a... A whole load of that is fantastic. <laughs> a whole load of questions to be ironed out. You wouldn't want to do this commercially necessarily, which is like just the 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 joy of that interaction.
0: Just oh, the that, is, that is sheer. That is, I agree with you. That is fantastic and bonkers in the best possible <laughs> way. But well, we usually do advice for entrepreneurs on this podcast. But your advice to banks would that be to actually put some live data or you know some actual data at the at the back of those APIs?
1: So this is a really really. Um, hot topic at the moment. So the Payment Service Directive 2, which is like a European um, law effectively, was passed and it requires banks to open up their APIs by 2017. The problem is open APIs are a huge threat to banks that most banks' existing business models who rely on essentially acquiring customers really, really young and then cross-selling loads and loads of products into them. And the worry is once you open up the APIs, people are going to do things like build apps which alert you when your bank's um, charging hidden fees and charges, for example, or um, if they're offering you a product that actually is not the best in the market, there's a, a different savings product or a mortgage product out there that would be better suited for you, a smart developer could write that software and tell banks' users, you're getting ripped off. And so the banks are really, really reluctant to open up these APIs. Because they, all of the banks have the APIs. That's the interesting thing, when you use a bank's mobile app, it is accessing an API to get that data. But they're functioning need. as a gateway, I suppose, just sure. just to glue two pieces
0: of technology Absolutely. together.
1: APIs, application Pro- program interface, right? It's the way two pieces of technology talk to each other, and they could document these APIs and they could release them publicly. They don't, and so the regulators had to step in and force them to do that. So it will happen as part of this twenty seventeen, you say, regulation. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> One to watch. Yeah. So it's just the banks are pushing it really, really hard. It, you know, it's pushing against it very hard. Um, In public, they're supporting it. But behind the scenes, I know board members at banks who said, we will open up APIs over my dead body. Wow.
0: And you've got yours open from day one.
1: Yeah, because we don't, we have the opposite problem, right? We don't have any customers. We have nothing to lose. (laughs) So we'd love to stir the industry up a bit and, and increase switching. The big banks have no interest in that. And when you guys, you
0: know, to, to to do the blue sky thing that you've lectured against ten years down the line when you're, you know, really punching hard against the existing banks, got millions of customers. Will you keep those APIs open?
1: We absolutely will. Absolutely. Um so I think the future of banking is as a as a cooperative ecosystem, not as a not as a, you know, acquire customers young and flog them all your stuff. So we're This ties into why Mondo is only building the current account. We're building it as a platform, as a marketplace, so that other people can build apps on top of your data, can integrate with other financial products. So say you have five or 10,000 pounds spare, you've just been paid a big bonus, your Christmas bonus, congratulations. We can help you move that into a high interest savings account or appear to be a lender or an ISA or your pension from within the Mondo app. So we we have this um, interoperability. So this sort of loosely coupled set of banking products that I think is the future. Rather than the, you know, you're going to get flogged a PPI and a credit card and a mortgage all from the same bank, or from more annoyingly different people.
0: Because <laughs> well, you're you're talking about a, it seems a very elegant to access portfolio of services that aren't necessarily all provided by Mondo. Whereas at the moment I need two different little token things that let me into different bank accounts and a savings account elsewhere. And yeah, all and then you all have to do the sign up
1: process and KY like know your customer process yep. fifteen times, which is super annoying. The great, the really, really, and I love the word elegant. That's absolutely, absolutely spot on. The really nice thing that we can do is because we are your current account bank and we've done all of this identity verification, we can let you take that parcel of identity data and go to a third-party service and onboard really, really seamlessly, like in a click or two, because we validated your identity. It's like it's the 21st century equivalent of going to, um, you know, a new financial service provider, it's them saying, give us a printed copy of your bank statement That's crazy. What they actually mean is we want to know that a bank somewhere has done due diligence on you and we'll use that as as proof of your identity. So actually the bank of the future becomes an identity broker.
0: But uh, I suppose draw it all back to customers if... Man on the street or well, more more ugly man or, man or woman listening to this podcast would like a Mondo card. Mm. How'd they go about that? How'd they do that?
1: <laughs> they fight the other 30,000 people on the way to this. So you can, we're rolling out a lot more cards this year. So get mondo.co.uk, sign up, put your email down. Um, we're rolling out in London now. We're going to Manchester on a road show, I think next week or the week after. And then we'll be rolling out to other cities. So we We're just taking it slowly to get the product right, to make sure we iron out all the the wrinkles. But we will be significantly ramping up the number of cards in in circulation. So So get on the waiting list. Get on the waiting list. Brilliant. Tom,
0: thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. Very fascinating stuff. Thank you, Ben.